know, I have, um, you know, whatever personality tests you take, type A, uh, type D. Uh, I'm just a get-it-done kind of guy. And a per- I don't, you know, I, I read a book years ago about a person with my kind of personality, and it made me mad when I first read it, and I slammed the book down. said, I'm not reading that anymore, and I finally picked it back up. But it said, a person with my personality is obsessive. I said, well, thank you very much. And then that just means you think. And I said this at, our, I think, our membership class thing on Sunday. You think constantly and maybe overthink things. Anybody in here ever overthink things? I said, yeah, I do that. And, uh, but then the next one really got me, really got me. Uh, compulsive. No, no. Compulsive. It looks like I do things spur of the moment. And that's just the personality type I have. person like me, um, visionary, just I can start things. Just It's always been inside me that way. But the compulsive part, and I'm saying this for a reason, the compulsive part seems like, well, you just don't suddenly do that. Well, what you don't know is in the background, this thing's been incubating for a long time. And I, it won't even come out my mouth till it's been, I've been thinking about it sometimes weeks, many times months before I ever act on something. So what I'm going to tell you tonight, it's been in my heart. Uh, wow, I don't even remember when it came. It came, mm, talked about it with some of the staff team, but it's been there pretty strong for uh, three plus months, maybe four do you agree with that? Mirrors my executive pastor. I was looking at her. Um, maybe. Uh, and I haven't said a whole lot about it. Finally had a meeting with my staff team on, when was that, Tuesday, and uh, talked about it. And um, so here's what we're going to do. And I believe it's the mind of the Lord. Every time I mention it, I get the witness of the Spirit. And I know you're saying, shut up and tell me what it is. So I'll get it. So we're going to have some changes that are going to accommodate what I believe is what God wants us to do in the time just prior to Jesus' return. And here are the changes beginning Sunday. Everybody say Sunday. March 19th. That's this March, 2023. We will change to one service only on Sundays. Now see, I got, I'm watching. Some of you going. Others going. So let, let me address this. Why, why are we doing this? So, so um, uh, the, I've been thinking about this thing, and I'm a very pragmatic person. We, we went to two services in April of 2004, uh, and, and the reason we did are various reasons. Number one, uh, we ran out of children's ministry space in the other building. Secondly, we ran out of parking lot space in the other building. And then thirdly, you know, uh, the stats are you get 80% capacity in your auditorium, and you lose the ability to grow because, I mean, you're almost butt to butt. You know, you, you don't have very many spare chairs. So uh, we did that, and I remember that. And, you know, it takes a lot to, you know, have to accommodate an, an extra service and have all of the people that you need to volunteer and all that. So I didn't want to go back and not have, and, of course, pre, post-COVID, churches are dealing with a lot of people haven't come back to church. Did you realize that? Uh, I just went to a pastor's meeting. They mentioned it again a couple of weeks ago when I was in Tulsa. Uh, that a lot of people still haven't come back to church, and you have to accommodate that. So that's not the reason we're doing this. We have two services, and then we're starting the school. We have a lot of new families, uh, perhaps, uh, when we do start the, the uh, Child Care Slash School Victory Academy. Uh, and so I was kind of holding off on that, but the Lord's really been talking to me and speaking to me 
about it, and then I'm a pragmatist, a person that's pragmatic, looks for practical, simple solutions to every issue and every problem. So I'm looking for the most simplified way to do things, and I always think that way. In fact, if you say you got a problem, my mind immediately starts working on finding the solution. That's good and bad. In fact, I was having lunch with Susan year. This is man, twenty something years ago, and and you know Susan mentioned a problem, and she just mentioned something to me, and she looked and I started immediately, you know, like the computer trying to figure out the answer, and she looked and you know what she said? She said, Mitch. I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to listen to me. I thought, slap my jaws. I got it. So anyway, I'm always trying to fix things. But with this, the reason we're doing this, it will allow the Holy Spirit more room to minister life. And that's what we have been missing. And, uh, and God's been dealing with me that, with that, about that for months and months now. Uh, two services the way we have them. We have to stop at a certain time. Then this past Sunday, the truth is I was quite shocked that I looked back at that little clock on the back uh, that has red letters on it, and it said, uh, uh, at, at the end of the first service, it said 10.59. We had one minute to start the next service, and I was oblivious to time Sunday. So, it, you know, we kind of had a, the Holy Spirit did something. But um, uh, so I thought, wow, just wow, wow. So uh, I do have the impress in my heart to do this. I, I don't think we're going to lose anything. I don't think it's a negative. I think it's a positive. How many hear what I'm saying? So when you tell people about this, tell them we're doing this to accommodate the moving of the Holy Spirit and to give greater room and a better flow to Him. How many think that's okay? So we're still going to start our service at 9 o'clock. That's the plan. And, you know, uh, let me just tell you how the Holy Spirit is. He doesn't do the same thing the same way every time. How many hear me? Uh, he has a lot of variety. There will be times we'll worship, we'll sing, and I'll minister the Word, teach, whatever. And, and then there won't be a great moving of the Spirit. There are other times there will be. But we're going to change how we do the very end of the service. What I keep seeing uh, in my mind's eye is us coming down at the very end after we I preach the Word for a little while and just coming down and, worshiping the Lord like I talked about Sunday, like we did Sunday. And, and I can see people being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed in their bodies, uh, set free from all kinds of things that, that have begun to control them in life, and just really a freedom uh, of the Spirit. We need that now more than ever, ever. How many hear me? And with the pressures of life and the challenges of the day that we're living in, you know, people are becoming extremists. Have you noticed that? And there are extreme over-exaggerated responses many times to, to, uh, to whatever is going on in life. Have you noticed that? And uh, I could give you, and you could give me examples probably. Mary mentioned somebody chewed her out on the phone today and all she did was say, hi, I want to, and they just lit in. You know, what, what's that mean? There was pressure already there, right? And you may find yourself uh, in angst, uh, whereas you should be a little more calm just because things aren't going the way they normally do. It's the pressure of the, of the day. Every level of life is challenged today. How many understand that? So when we come together in the presence of God, there's a freedom and there's a loosening and there's, a, there's an empowering to go out into a crazy, mixed-up, nuthead world and, and let Jesus shine. How many hear me? And we need that now more than ever. So I mentioned this. How many hear what I'm saying? So let me say it again, Sunday, March 19th. This coming Sunday is the 12th. We'll still have two services. 
So this will be the last Sunday. We'll have two services. The following Sunday, everybody say, this is the last Sunday. That is Sunday, March 12th, that we'll have two services back to back. Beginning Sunday, what day? Yes. We'll have one service that starts at what time? And what time is prayer? Good, y'all got it. That's so good. So uh, also, let me say this. Um, we can put a lot of chairs in here. We got a boatload of chairs in the back room. And uh, we can put a lot of chairs in here. So don't think we don't have room. We do. And we'll make a lot of room, and we'll be able to accommodate everybody. You say, well, what are you going to do when you get up to 80%? Uh, I'll go to another service. Well, when you, well, why you stop? Well, because we'll do it at a different time. So it'll either be mid to late afternoon or evening on Sunday or whatever. But uh, we'll accommodate that. It'll work, and I think God's, uh, God's up to something. Uh, Mario Murillo, can I just talk a little bit? I was listening to him. I'm reading one of his books, and then I listened to all kinds of podcasts by different people. And, uh, and he mentioned several times that I met Mario Murillo as an evangelist from Fresno, California, I believe it's a suburb of Los Angeles. And uh, he's been around a long time. And I think I mentioned him Sunday. But uh, he said that the church is not ready for, for the explosion of evangelism that's coming. Did you hear what I just said? Churches are not ready for the new believers. So I want to encourage you, get ready for new believers. Uh, you know, uh, this may, is this a good analogy? You know, when you catch a fish, you got to clean it. You got to descale it, right? You got to gut it and all that. Well, well, when Jesus catches you, he got to clean you up. Can you handle it if people come to church who aren't like you? They don't do life like you and aren't as clean as you are? How many can handle it? How many can love them and not judge them? Uh, how many have seen Jesus' revolution? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, nine, nine, nine. Uh, 10 to 15, that's it. So the so rest of you, go watch Jesus' revolution because that's what it's about. It's about uh, uh, just a real starchy church with starchy people. Starchy meaning you got to do it a certain way, cookie cutter. You got to to do this, you got to do that. got to be like that. You got to have your tie on. got to have your shirt pressed. Get the ladies got to wear a dress and high heels. Got to have a hair up in a bob, whatever. And, um, and then the hippies came in because they got saved <laughs> and they messed with them so bad and the pastor who it really was a film about Chuck Smith and um, uh, he opened his, his church up and the rest is history he went to be with Jesus a while back but uh, really was amazing so go watch Jesus Revolution and get what I mean how many are ready to accommodate people who don't know Jesus and let them come and find Jesus here how many think it would be cool for your friends to find Jesus uh, and your co-workers to find Jesus and your family members and stuff to find Jesus. So that, that's what I'm looking at. And the reason we're doing this is to accommodate that. There you go. Great. I can't encourage. Susan and I went to see that when I was still on vacation. We actually went on, a, on an afternoon and there was us and another couple. There was nobody else there because it's three o'clock in the afternoon. But it was a great movie. So I encourage you to go watch it. Uh, it's been a blockbuster. It's exceeded expectations with all the movie people. So it really is a great movie. I can't say enough about it. Any of my friends I know that I've gone to see it say it's really good. So it'll give you an idea of what's coming. So I think that same kind of thrust of revival is coming again. You know, you had the sexual revolution of the 60s, and you had uh, all, the all the drugs and stuff, the Beatles, all of that kind of all came together 
And when I came to Jesus, I, I mentioned it Sunday in the mid-70s, uh, uh, it, it was the heyday of, of, of a move of the Holy Spirit among young people, and there was a revival, and it was the charismatic movement. So I, I see that kind of thing coming back again just before Jesus comes back. And that's really the reason I, I really didn't want to make this change, but I felt the impress of the Holy Spirit to go ahead and do this. And uh, it's, it's a very positive thing because we're going to make room again for God to do things. Let me mention this. Won't you throw up on the screen a picture of a wineskin? I mentioned a wineskin on Sunday. There it is. You see, see, it's the skin of an animal. And, and, you know, they turn it upside down and they hook ropes to where the legs and feet were. And then you can see on the right-hand side, that's where the head was. They just put their, they just put their uh, grape juice in there. And so that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 9, 17. No one puts new wine in old wineskins. The old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine, ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. And so, again, uh, what, Jesus, what was Jesus saying, talking to the religious people of his day? You've got to accommodate a fresh move of God. And Jesus was the fresh move of God in his day. Yes or no? So, uh, wow. Uh, so, again, though Jesus is the same, I got this in my notes, I wrote it down this way. Though Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what he chooses to emphasize changes with the time in which we're living. So right now we're living at, you know, the uh, church, the uh, uh, last days um, is, is actually from the time that Jesus was raised from the dead and the church age began all the way up until the time that Jesus comes back. That's called the last days. In fact, um, uh, Peter, remember his, his sermon in Acts 2? Uh, he mentioned Joel's prophecy in Joel 2. And he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. So the last day started the first century. We've been in the last days for almost 2,000 years. But now we're at the very last of the last days. We're at the very end of an era of time. And we're, we're already into a time which is typified by judgment. That's why you see geological things, the terrible earthquakes that are happening, the the um, uh, weather patterns that seem so weird and uncanny. And, and then Jesus talked about, I'll read that here in a minute, but you see all that because we're entering into a different age, a different time. And, uh, you, you know, it, it just means that the pressure is intensified, and that's the reason that we need to accommodate a fresh moving of the Spirit. So, again, li listen to this. Just wanted to remind you, Luke 21, 7 uh, Jesus speaking, teacher, they asked the disciples, when will all this happen? He said the temple would be destroyed. Uh, the Herodian temple took uh, 40 years to complete. It was an ornate, beautiful, beautiful place, uh, the, the whole compound there. Uh, when will all these things happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? And he replied, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name. And they asked him what it would be like when, when he came back the second time. And he said, don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, saying the time has come. Don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. See, uh, yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. So we're right on the, it's terrible to say, we're right on the cusp, literally, of World War III. Now, I don't have time, but I could explain that and go into detail. I don't have time just to say I, I've never seen it so uncannily weird. And uh, so we need to be praying. Jesus said these things would happen, but he said when you hear these things, don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. See, that's what he said. Um, 
verse 10, then he had a nation will go to war against nation. The word nation there is where we get our word ethnicity. Ethnic persuasion will fight against ethnic persuasion worldwide. Uh, he said nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. There will be famines, plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. Now, he didn't explain what he meant by that, and we'll just have to wait and see what that is. I don't know. I can't tell you. But before all this occurs, he said, there will be a time of great persecution. You'll be dragged into synagogues, prisons. You'll stand trial before kings, governors, because you're my followers. Uh, but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So he says, if they lock you up, you should, you should get excited because you're about to say some things to people that could never would never be able to hear it except you're there. He said, don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you. For I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you. Now, here's where we are. It's, it's happening now. Even those closest to you, your parents, your brothers, your relatives, your friends, will betray you. And that's sad. That's ultimately sad to me that you will even kill some of you. Everyone will hate you because you are my followers. This, not, this is not only anti-Semitism against Jews. This is also against the church of Jesus as well. And he said, you will be, uh, you will, everyone will hate you because you're my followers. Verse 18, not a hair of your hair will perish. By standing firm, you will win your soul. So, so during this calamitous time just before Jesus comes back, which is a time of judgment, of eternal judgments that I've mentioned in the past on Sundays. Uh, Hebrews 6 talks about eternal judgments. Jesus' second coming is a time of judgment, calamity, upending of things. Uh, and, and we're in the middle of, of just at the beginning stages, perhaps, of that now. But see, right on the heels of that, and that's the reason we're making changes in our service, the, the Scripture says there's also equally going to be a moving of the Spirit. So what, it, what happens is the darkness rises, but the power of God rises at the same time. So it balances it out. Even though we've got more duress and pressure and stress and crazy stuff, we've got such, we've got such a moving of the power of God that, that we'll be able to handle whatever comes. How many hear me? And I don't know about you, but that excites me silly. So Joel 2, let me read it again after doing these things. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. He says, your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth. Then he mentions this blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And that's because of the, the um, uh, soluble things in the atmosphere that, that, you know, darken the sun and change its color and such. Smoke will do that with the sun, you know. Uh, and then Jesus also, there's six, uh, at least six references in Scripture to the sun being dark and the moon being dark. And Jesus mentioned it uh, in Matthew 24, and it's also recorded by the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 6. And, and Jesus referred to the sun, the moon, and stars darkening as a sign that the rapture is about to occur. Now, no, think about that for a while. Uh, but he says, every, and he says, um, before the great terrible day of the Lord arrives, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for some on Mount Zion and Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord's called. So uh, I just said I'll read that because there's going to be a time of war, and it's a calamitous time just before Jesus comes back. A lot of people think about uh, revival and think about goose pimples and good feelings and good times. and <laughs> We'll have that, but at the same time, 
there's going to be calamity, disaster, war, famine, earthquakes, ridiculous weather patterns, and all kinds of crazy things to deal with in the culture. At the same, so, so you see, you got you got you know uh, um, the best of times, worst of times, as the novelist said years ago. Isaiah sixty one and two: Arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And he says it. Isaiah the prophet says it in a similar way, a different way. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep, other translations read, gross darkness, the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So there's a parallel. Just when the darkness rises, the gross darkness comes upon the people, he said at that same time, the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And then Acts chapter 3, repent therefore be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So he's talking about repentance being a, a real foundational part of any real move of God. It starts with repentance. How many know in your own life when Jesus wants to do something fresh in my life, in your life, it starts with repentance. It means changing your mind and your heart and your lifestyle with how you've been living. That's repentance. It's a change of mind that produces a change of heart produces a change of mind that produces a change of lifestyle. And he said that repentance will bring a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Now, again, that's another way to say revival, isn't it? A move of God, a move of the Spirit. Then look what he said again, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things. So here uh, he refers to um, Jesus' second coming as the restoration of all things. Adam and Eve sold us out to Satan. He became the God of this age. He kills, steals, and destroys. There's a curse upon this planet. There are fallen angels, demonic forces, the devil, and, and then human personalities who are, who are malevolent and uh, uh, who work along with him. They're going to be cleansed from this planet and all the elements of sin are going to be removed. And then Satan and all of his angels and demon forces and all the human personalities that fail to repent, they will be placed in a place called the lake of fire and they'll be there for eternity. And, and he calls that here the time of the restoration of all things. Restoration how? Restoration back the earth back to its Edenic glory. The glory like it had when the Garden of Eden was here. And God would come down with his people in the cool of the day and fellowship with them. Won't that be great? And he says, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So again, what we're doing is we're making room for Jesus to do what he wants to do. Your part to play in this is to pray. And I can't encourage you enough. Now, here's what I've noticed. Um, I've noticed in my own prayer life, there's been like an uptick. There's been a step up. And uh, it's just, uh, wow, really different in a great way. And I want to encourage you to start praying and start praying for the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Jesus prayed, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in the Lord's prayer, right? So pray that God's kingdom would expand. Pray that God's kingdom would grow. and Pray that people would come to Jesus. Um, let me just say, it, uh, um, you know, the, the um, little saying, it's darkest before the dawn. Right? Seems like the, the night gets really dark. But that's where we are right now. It can look bleak. 
It can look impossible. Seems like people are so rebellious they don't want God. But see, God can change that in a moment. And I see God answering prayer now in a huge way. And I really think we're at the beginning stages of revival. Again, the book I'm recent book I'm reading by Mario Murillo called It's Your Turn Now. His whole his whole idea of that book is that is that the worse the culture gets and the more depraved and away from God they are, it's a divine setup for God to come. To come with conviction and draw these people because they have no hope. They don't know what to do. And Jesus said they're sheep like sheep having no shepherd. So we're at a really pivotal time right now. And God needs for me and you to pray and ask him to do the impossible. How many think God wants to do the impossible? So, so you may think it's impossible for your family to change, for your spouse to change, for your children to change, for your brothers, sisters, your friends, your, your co-workers. Pray for them. Put, put them on a list and pray for them on a regular basis. We, we're going to see some amazing things in this hour. How many hear me? And, uh, you know, the way things are working right now, uh, people are opening themselves up to demon power in a way I've never seen before. Did you hear me? When you give yourself head over heels into sexual deviation, I'm not just talking about illicit sex. I'm talking about deviant sexual behavior. Did you hear me? And they're, and, and they're pushing that on our children in schools now. Did you hear me? Hmm. You're opening up for demon power to infiltrate a culture, and that's what we're seeing. Here's what, on the other hand, what you're going to see is people who come into a place where, that has been prepared with the presence of God, and those demon forces will run away and will come off of them, and they will be set free. And the fears and the phobias and the mess that has bound those people, they'll be set free. And we're going to see that in this room right here. Are you excited about that? So, so that's the reason I have the sense that I really, really need to make room for God to do what he wants to do. Um, you know, years ago, I, mean, I was, had a prayer time with, uh, with Joshua today a little bit, and I mentioned this to him, and uh, you, some of you maybe, maybe have heard me talk about this. Prior to coming here, um, you know, I, I preached and taught. I started churches. I've, I've been an associate pastor. I've been on staff at a church. But when I got in my own ministry and stuff, God always... I have this teaching gift, and, and it's really hard to turn off what it cuts on. But, but God's always dealt with me. Mitch, I always leave room and, and time for the Holy Spirit to manifest and the gifts of the Spirit to manifest. And there is that element of my life. And um, uh, when I first came here, uh, those of you that were in the uh, first church on Garner Road, you know, we, we started going there, and that was new uh, to a lot of people there. And then we were in the shopping center, went there. We went to two services. We got away from a lot. Just because the time it takes to, you know, clear, clear the building, the parking lot, bring another set of people in. And God's speaking to me to get back to that. Make sure you got plenty of time. This is what I'm hearing. Make sure you got plenty of time for the Holy Spirit to manifest. And again, so that's all the only reason. I'm just kind of clearing the space here. Does that make sense? So I want you to get the idea of why we're doing what we're doing. And I can see God doing some really grand things. I put in my notes in fact, I've got two things I want to read. I got plenty. I got time, and I'll let you go. Hopefully, at a good time right now. Um, this is October twentieth, twenty twenty-one. Uh, so this would be um, um, not quite. Uh, that would be uh, yeah, twenty-two. It'd be a year and some months ago. Um, during a Wednesday night service, we were having a 
a time, and I had uh, different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues, which is two of the nine gifts of the Spirit. God uses me in, in different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues in my private prayer life, and, and I, I never had it manifest so much as I have right now. It's just nuts. In fact, I pray with my phone right beside me now because it happens so frequently, and, uh, and I've got, you know, the, the uh, voice memo part of it. I just have it ready to go. And uh, because often I'll be praying, we just had a staff prayer meeting yesterday, and oh my goodness, it kind of exploded on me. And uh, so that happened in a service. We had I had different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and I and uh, and got the um, uh, service and and then wrote wrote out what I said. And I wanted and I remembered it today, and I wanted to read this to you. Just this one little part is long. I'm not going to read. The only thing I want to read is God said with that. He said. Uh, about a time that is to come, and we're in it now. And now it shall be that the veil between you and me shall become so thin. Listen, the veil between you and me will become so thin that when you pray, you'll begin to sense me. You'll sense my presence. Isn't that great? So so if if you'll take some extra time now to wait on God, and you've got to push your flesh out of the way. Prayer has to be learned, and you've got to discipline your flesh when you pray. Usually when you start praying, you think about that piece of fried chicken that's left over in the refrigerator, and you can put it in the air fryer, and uh, you can heat that thing up and get it crispy. Or you think about the ice cream, the Tillamook ice cream in the refrigerator, or you got to go, you know, deal with cutting your bushes, trimming your hedges, or you got to clean the bath, or whatever. You just think of things. Well, discipline yourself to hone in on prayer and make yourself go there and start praying. Prayer is effort, it's work, it's not necessarily easy, but they're tremendous dividends. So I want to encourage you, begin to develop your prayer life because right now is a time when when God is manifesting His presence to His people so we can minister His presence to people that don't know Him. How many hear what I just said? It's not just so you'll get a goose pimple. It's not just to bless you. He blesses you so you can bless others. Yes or no? So the focus can't just be me. The focus has got to be, why am I doing this? Well, I want to minister life to others. So why are we changing our services on Sunday morning? It's not just so we can have a, a good God bless me time. It's so we can accommodate the presence of God so people can come and be set free. How many hear me? So, so what's the backdrop of that? That means we got to go and be inviting people to come with us. Get our cards, invite people. Ask the Lord to open opportunities for you to share Jesus with people. Um, uh, usually, I don't think I did this past uh, membership class, but usually I share 1 Corinthians 3 where the Apostle Paul said, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. Y'all remember that? 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 9, I think. Uh, so, so, so witnessing is that way. With one person, you plant a seed. With another person, you water a seed. And with another person, you reap the harvest. That is, you're actually able to pray with them. Most of the time when you're sharing Jesus with people, you'll have a lot of people that don't want to hear what you have to say and they give you the cold shoulder by changing the subject. Other people, you're planting a seed. If you're planting a seed, they'll give you the cold shoulder. They don't want to hear it. And again, the statistics are it takes seven gospel contacts before a person even begins to get interested in receiving Jesus. Do you get what I just said? That's a big deal, isn't it? What does that mean? All of us have our part to play. So with some people, you're planting. 
That is, you're dropping a seed in. They're not open yet. They're hard-hearted. They're callous. They don't want you talking about spiritual things. They're not interested. Say it, and then if they turn the shoulder, let them turn the shoulder. It's okay. And then with other people, you're watering the seed. What does that mean? Seed's already been planted. Maybe it's germinating a little bit. And with those people, you can tell because when, when God leads you and you share something spiritual with them, it could be one phrase, one sentence about something. And, and that person, instead of turning the cold shoulder, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll say a little something about it. I've had that happen so many times. What does that tell you? That person's already been affected by the Lord. And there have already people that have been dropping seeds in their life. Now you're, you're watering the seed. Eventually, that person is going to come to Jesus if people are praying for him. Is that good? So I want you to see you've got a huge part to play here. So when we change this to one service, see, I want you to understand the onus is, no, that's not a good word to use, but it's a, the, the challenge is on all of us to share Jesus with people and bring them. And then, and then let's create an environment for the presence of God to manifest. And we do that with our lifestyle and we do that with our praying. You know, who you are. Did you know that in any environment, anywhere you are is created by the people present? Do you know that? Have you ever been into a home where they've been fighting like cats and dogs with their words? You knock on the door, knock, knock, knock. All of a sudden, there's a big cheesy smile. Hey. But you feel angst in the atmosphere. You ever had that happen? Yeah? So, or you just go into a room environment and it's tense and it's tight and it's rough. Or you go into another room and it's like, boy, this feels really free in here. These people, mm, wow. I feel some care. I feel feel some love in here. I feel some kindness here. Well, you know, that's because the people present in any, in any uh, place you are, they create the atmosphere or the temperature or climate of the room. See, we're here tonight, and we're creating an environment in this room, right? You're creating an environment everywhere you are. You carry an environment with you. So what if individually we get before God and say, Lord, I just want to learn to be with you. And you've got to learn to be with the Lord. And you've got to learn how to go into your closet like Jesus said, Matthew 6, shut the door, say, Lord, I'm going to spend some time with you. If you haven't done it any, spend, I started out with two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and that turned into 10 minutes. But it's not the time. Then eventually I got my mind off the time, and I just stayed until I was satisfied. And at my young ages, I was satisfied with two minutes. It's like, woohoo! aren't you proud of me? God, I pray, two minutes. <laughs> I got to 30 minutes like, mm-hmm. I'm right up there with John Wesley and Billy Graham. You know, it's just pride, my gosh, you know. But, but what I'm saying is you grow, you got to develop into it. And then you get to a point that, you know, you know you got time. I'm very time conscious, and that's my personality. At the same time, I get up early enough in the morning to spend time with the Lord. And uh, I just encourage you, if you'll develop your time with the Lord, and it's a struggle to start with. And if you struggle, you're normal. Everybody say, if I struggle, I'm normal. You're struggling with spending time with God, you're just a really normal person. Because you have to discipline your mind to be quiet. You have to discipline your body. I got one foot that wiggles all the time. And I've got to learn to calm myself down. And now, you know, when I first started, I had to pray, walk and pray. And then I had to, I had to close my eyes because I'd focus on something and I'd lose the consciousness of God's presence. Now I can pray with my eyes open. 
Now I can pray with my body inert. I'm, I'd love to pray now with my hand in my head, my head in my hands. <laughs> hand in my head, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just praying, you know. I love that. But see, I don't go to sleep like I used to. But you got to train yourself. And, and then, and then uh, training your training your person to hone in on the Lord and training your thoughts not to go everywhere. It just takes time to do that. When you first start, you can maybe do that for, like I said, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. Eventually, you train yourself. Your mind just becomes really, really calm. And then you can hear the Spirit of God. It's just amazing. You can hear the Holy Spirit in your human spirit. You're praying in the Spirit. It is an amazing venture. But it takes a while to get there. It does. So, But st if you'll start, you'll start developing the presence of God in your life. And when you start doing that, God's going to start talking to you. Uh, he may say things like, I don't want you to watch that TV show anymore. That sin is, is wetting your wood. And it's keeping me from lighting a fire in you. Or he may say things like, it's putting the fire out in you. You're compromising your thoughts. When you compromise your thoughts, you're compromising me. Or you may be praying and God may say to you, that person you're spending time with, they're not like you. You can, be, you can love them, but you're spending time with a person that's pulling you away from me. I want you to make a change. He's done that to me. Has he ever done that to you? Huh? Or he may lead, deal with you, stop reading that magazine. Stop listening to that music. I mean, whatever it is, God's, what he'll do, you start praying, seeking God, little bit by little. I said it the other day, I forgot what forum it was, but, you know, the closer you get to the Lord, the narrower the road becomes. Narrow, confined is the way, Jesus said, Matthew 7, that leads to life. You first come to Jesus, that's a big old wide road. You get to walking with him a little bit by little bit. Woo-wee. And now that highway of holiness, Man, you just, there's, and what happens is the stuff you used to want to want, just don't want it anymore. I don't need it anymore. I don't need the music. I don't need that movie. I don't need this. I don't need that hobby. Now, I'm a natural human. I love to do certain things. I'm energetic. I love to exercise. I love to be outside. I'm a normal guy. But you know what? I love Jesus more than all that mess that used to be in my life. And you'll find he'll clean you up. And don't, it, don't compare yourself with another person. Well, I want to be like, well, I'm going to pray like Pastor Mitch. I'm going to pray for an hour. Well, you might not start with, and then you'll get aggravated and discouraged. Start where you are. And, uh, and don't compare yourself with somebody else because you'll be aggravated at yourself. Compare yourself with Jesus and give him room to develop you. So Sunday mornings, you know, it's going to be a development time. We're going to get into the presence of God. I'm going to preach the Word. How many know we need the Word? In fact, your relationship with God revolves around you getting in the Word. Yes or no? And the more you get in the Word, the more the Holy Spirit will speak to you. So I must preach the Word really strong. At the same time, we'll have a different kind of a moving of the Holy Spirit, and that's going to be dependent on us. We can create an environment for God to do something amazing. How many want to? So start in your personal life. Develop your prayer closet time. Uh, I started praying going on walks. Now I can pray without walking. And just start. But if you will, we come together and who we are erupts in the atmosphere. And say so if we can create a zone where God can manifest himself, 
I mean, think about the chains that can be broken off of people. Think about the alcoholics that can be set free. Think about those addicted to all kinds of crazy nuthead drugs that are going on today, right? About the sexual addict, they can be set free. Those that are bound by phobias and fears can be loosed just by coming into the presence. Kenneth Hagin said something about years ago in the early 80s when I lived in Tulsa and I would frequent his meetings. If anybody does, how many, anybody don't know who Kenneth Hagin is? He died in 1983, uh, 2003, and, uh, but uh, he was one of the uh, colleges I attended. Uh, he would say, and he, when he talked about demon spirits and demon power and fears and, and bondages that held people like alcoholism, drug addiction, and perversions, and we got a lot of perversions going on today. These devils hide, and they have a big smile, and they make a person look very normal, but in private, they're abnormal. How many hear what I just said? That's our culture right now, y'all. So then people into Walmart with you and into Target with you and into grocery store, you don't know what's, what's in the background of their life, right? He said, he said, here's what happens. People come into the presence of the Word and the presence where the Spirit of God is manifesting. He said, you don't have to command the devil to come out of them. Just the atmosphere itself will cause them to be released from demon bondage. Now, won't that be amazing? Woohoo! So there's hope and help for everybody. So I said all that to say as I close, you've got a part to play in this. How many are willing to pray before you come to church? Raise your hand if you're willing. So, so let me encourage you. You know, wherever you are, don't compare yourself with me or anybody else. Um, just pray. And, and just pray before you go to church. And, you know, if you're watching online and you go to another local church, pray before you go to church and ask God. Ask God to manifest himself in that, in, that belie- in that meeting of believers that are together and ask God to minister to the pastor and the staff and those that are ministering and, and ask him to do big things. How many know God wants to do more than we can ask him to do? Is it true? So if you'll do that before you come here, it's amazing. When I first came to the Lord, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know how I fell into this, but I fell into a pattern of before I got to church, God used the pastor. Lord, minister through the praise and worship belief. God, do something in the atmosphere. Let a lot of people come to know Jesus. Lord, do it. And you know, when you, when you pray that way and go there, you're, you're like one of the coals that are in your barbecue, and they're all white, and they're ready for that piece of meat to be laid on top. Right? See, that's what you're doing. You're creating that atmosphere. So I encourage you to do it. Come early on Sundays. Set your clocks back this weekend or set them forward this weekend. And come and pray with us. You'll be amazed at the atmosphere. And then what's going to happen Sunday, March 19th? Ah, I'm done. I, could, I, could, I got a lot to say, but I'll save it till next time.